At Novant Health, neurologists focus not only on treating multiple sclerosis, but overall care, allowing patients to hope for better outcomes. I'm Gina DiPietro with Healthy Headlines. In this podcast, I sit down with Dr. Matthew Carrero at Novant Health Neurology and Sleep, who says MS patients now live in a world where they can set goals, have children, travel, go for that promotion at work. Stick around to learn why it's critical to have the tough conversations with your doctor and how Novant Health is participating in an exciting study about the effectiveness of certain therapies. Being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis doesn't have to be, I think you put it, Dr. Carrero, a doom and gloom diagnosis, right? Correct. Tell us about this new era of MS. So the new era is when we have multiple treatment options. Many of them are highly effective, which is terrific. And what that means is that the treatments do a great job not just of stopping relapses, which is basically new symptoms, but they also help to slow down progression or increased disability. They protect you from brain shrinkage, which we call atrophy, um, and sometimes can even lead to an improvement of disability. Um, so it's, it's really a different era because we can expect so much more. We can set our sights higher and hope for better outcomes and truly improved quality of life. So all of these new treatments that are available, they also give people options, right? So if you're not somebody who likes to have a shot or somebody who likes to take a pill, there are different ways that people can receive this medication also. Correct. So yeah, shots obviously are not always everybody's favorite to take, um, but we have multiple options for pills. At this point, we have uh, multiple options for IV therapy, which you go to the infusion center, they start an IV and give it to you that way. and it's just opened up the doors for people who don't like taking pills, for people who don't like needles and IVs, um, people who travel and it's hard to keep a certain schedule. There should be an option that works not only to control disease, but in terms of convenience and tolerability for everybody. What did the diagnosis used to mean before these advancements? Crudely put, they used to call this diagnose and adios because there was nothing to do. So you could make a diagnosis and pretty much walk away. It is so different these days. And what we try to do here is not just focus on the disease modifying therapy or MS treatment, but on the overall care. So managing spasticity, managing bladder and bowel function, managing cognition and fatigue, all of the day-to-day symptoms that patients deal with that makes quality of life worse, makes things more of a challenge, makes it harder to be a parent or an employee or whatever the case may be. So we, we work hard to prove diagnosis, get people on treatment and stable, and the rest of the heavy lifting is all wellness. How can we have people living a life where they feel okay in the morning, where they can make it through the day, where they can still do workouts um, and really thrive rather than just survive? I know that MS affects each patient differently. There are varying degrees that you can have multiple sclerosis, but Have you found with certain patients that you're working with that they really are able to take these huge strides and live more normally? Uh, Have you noticed that in the patients that you deal with on a day-to-day basis? Absolutely, yes. That's the heavy lifting of clinic is getting patients um, thoroughly educated about their condition, their prognostic factors, what we expect, and then sort of for them to set a high bar, them to be invested in their care so that um, they're setting their own goals. I want to get this promotion, I want to travel outside the country, 
um, I want to compete in that half marathon. These are very exciting targets for patients diagnosed with MS to think about. It, it should not be this instant limitation. We really don't know what the future holds, but we have to have a very high bar for what our goals are um, so we can have successes. How does <clears throat> MS affect the body? Um, what, it, what does it do to the mind and body? So in one regard, what we know is that the immune system is involved and the immune system starts to recognize the brain and the spinal cord as foreign or the enemy. It wants to cross from the bloodstream into the brain and spinal cord and then attack. So in rheumatoid arthritis, which is another autoimmune condition, the immune system thinks that the joints, whether it's your wrists or your fingers, your knuckles, um, that those are foreign, so you get big, swollen, painful joints. It's the immune system attacking those joints. In multiple sclerosis, the same type of process happens, but it's with the brain and spinal cord. So we cannot replace the brain and spinal cord. All of that, when the inflammation occurs, it's permanent damage, it's brain damage, spinal cord damage, and we're working to prevent that. There's a lot of talk about, can we repair myelin? Can we repair nerves? Can we create regeneration and remyelination? But the what we have available now, that is prime time, is drugs that are extremely effective at preventing disability. So one of the things that has changed is trying to alter the diagnostic criteria so we can lock in on, yes, this is your diagnosis, earlier in the disease process. And what that allows us to do is to treat multiple sclerosis earlier in the disease process and prevent so much of that disability and damage from occurring in the first place. Have you noticed that patients tend to prefer one treatment over the other? Are there certain ones that are more popular? One, one I think, concept that I sort of have noted in clinic is that people will oftentimes become attached to their treatment. It's not necessarily a rational thing because you'll say, look, you just told me you had three relapses. I'm showing you you have two new enhancing lesions. The treatment's not working. But there's, it's almost uh, like having a safety blanket when you're a child. If you've got that blanket, you're gonna be good. And that's not always the case. So sometimes we have to let that blanket go and, and move on to something else. Um, so even if a drug has done great for you for five years or 10 years, all of them have a lifespan. And so when it's time to move on, it's time to move on. That's okay. That's a natural part of treating MS. Um, so I think it's very important to continue to adapt with the disease. In terms of the actual treatments which patients tolerate best, which patients tend to prefer to be on, it's the ones that are most effective, most convenient, and have the least side effects. So at this point, there's so many, it's hard to you know, pick out a few. Sure. But um, yes, clearly there's some that are better preferred by patients than others. Is it difficult to have those conversations with patients when they need to switch medication when they are so attached to them in some cases? Sometimes, but I think what, one thing we always try to set in the first visit is just that, look, this is very complicated. And one of the ways that we deal with that is by constantly trying to make sure we're on the same page, we communicate thoroughly, and you have access to all the information about your MS because it's not my disease, right? So I like to show people their MRIs and explain what the findings mean. 
We like to go through prognostic factors. We like to talk about expectation. We dig into the issues that are going on. It's not just superficial, here's a prescription. It's challenging a patient um, with difficulty sleeping to start working out more so they're more fatigued at night and can sleep better. It's, it's asking them to put in some of the hard work too. Having those conversations ties into their responsibility and accountability for their disease. And a lot of it's saying, well, how much brain damage do you want to accumulate, very bluntly put, before you make a change to a drug that's better at protecting you from more brain damage? Um, this is the just the reality of it. And I think if, if we don't face that together in clinic in an honest way, we can't expect as good of an outcome. So. Um, it's not easy to have these conversations, but I just think it's critical. It's part of the job. It's um, how you take good care of people. So. And you had mentioned that Novant Health is participating in a study out of Johns Hopkins. Yes, that's correct. So this is a very interesting study. It's called Treat MS. One of the big unanswered questions is now we have all these therapies, some much less effective, some more effective. How do we know when to use which? And how do you know which patients would benefit from one or the other? We don't. There is no big phase three study comparing them. There's not going to be a big free phase three study comparing them. So it's really physician discretion. It's our experience. It's our gestalt. It's us looking at a patient saying, this is what we think your MS is going to do and behave like, and you'd be better off using whatever drug. Um, but we really like data, right? That's how we practice most of our medicine. So this study, Treat MS, is based out of Johns Hopkins, and it's trying to create that data set. It's, it's multiple centers across the country, and what we're doing is taking a newly diagnosed patient and determining do they have more aggressive or poor prognostic factors, or do they not have as many poor prognostic factors. So patients are split into two groups, and then we're, we're randomizing those two groups. So if you're in the no uh, fewer poor prognostic factor category, you get randomized one-to-one. Either you are on a less effective treatment or a more effective treatment. And the physician and you can pick in those groups which treatment you would like to take. Same thing with the patients with poor prognostic factors. You're randomized one-to-one. -one. Poor prognostic factors, do you take a less effective or more effective treatment? and we can pick from within those categories which treatment that is. And then you follow the patients with all kinds of clinical information, um, more thorough than is typically done to monitor MS patients. Most of it is standard of care in our center, which is kind of nice. Um, and the goal is to see what are the outcomes, who fares better, who has more side effects, who has more long-term complications and adverse events. Um, who has more success, less disability, and just put it all together. So it's very exciting. Real-world data is always challenging to obtain with the highest of scientific standards, but they've done a lot of work to make this um, an excellent study, so we're excited. How long will this study take? When will it be complete? Its goal was to run for um, four years, four years of follow-up. So it has been underway, and they are about halfway completed with enrollment. So we'll be opening up the study here at Novant Health um, Center for Multiple Sclerosis in the coming months and enrolling patients and look forward to participating. Oh, wow. So patients can opt in to participate or will you be choosing them? How does that work? It's a combination. So 
my belief is it's never appropriate to sort of coerce or force somebody into research. Um, certain patients won't be appropriate either because they won't meet the inclusion criteria or you might have, I might have the impression that, you know, we really need to put you on this one particular treatment. I can't leave it up to the chance of the trial. But it's a matter of having a conversation, explaining the trial, and then it's the patient's preference whether or not they'd like to go about treating their MS in that manner. It's a different era of MS, and it's one of more hope and optimism than perhaps in the past. It is, and another, I think another key feature is not to focus on what your family members or your friends or somebody in the media's MS has done. It's not yours. Your MS is unique to you. And that's why we spend so much time, especially at the beginning of a new diagnosis, really working to understand how do we expect somebody, somebody's MS to behave. Um, and we figure that out together, and it takes time. And then we, do we treat it, and we say, okay, how is it responding to treatment? And it's an ongoing process, it's a journey together, and we're constantly trying to stay proactive and ahead of it so that we can react as quickly and nimbly as possible. Again, trying to stay ahead of disability. That's the name of the game. So we, um, we have close follow-ups. We are very thorough in our monitoring. We like patients to let us know when new symptoms occur real time. Send us a my chart. Don't wait for a visit. Sort of have criteria set up for that that patients are told and they have printed in their notes. Um, but it is, I don't, I saw three new diagnoses this morning and the message is the same. You can have kids, you can travel, you can go for that promotion. You, you know, the, the goals are high. The goal is to let this be as minimal a part of your life as possible. That's great. Yeah. That's inspiring. It is. Well, Dr. Carrero, thank you for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. In this new era of multiple sclerosis, as Dr. Carrero mentioned, patients can expect so much more, set their sights higher, and hope for better outcomes. If you liked this episode, check out the others on Healthy Headlines, where Novant Health providers explore a broad range of topics. Don't forget to rate us, review us, and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you choose to listen. Until next time, thanks for listening.